Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be together this morning. My name is Jason, and I serve as one of the pastors here. Thanks for tuning in this morning together. So the hardest part, without a doubt, of being a youth pastor is having to say goodbye year after year to our graduating senior class. You know, after the years of building relationship with our students and discipling them, learning the nuances of the personalities, being together through the highs and lows, through the laughs and the tears, we send them on their way after praying for them and blessing them. So we bless them to send them off, believing for and praying God's will over their lives and through their lives. And while saying goodbye is hard, we know that it's for the glory of God and for their good. At some point, all of us have to say goodbye to the people or the things that we love. And, in, and during this season that we're currently in, all of us have had to say goodbye in some way, shape, or form. Most of us have had to say goodbye to seeing the loved ones uh, in our lives face-to-face -face for a while. Some of our friends have, had to, have even had to say goodbye to their livelihoods or their careers for a season. season. So we know that saying goodbye is hard. And this morning, we continue in our series called The Last Hours, where we're examining the last hours of Jesus's earthly ministry as he ascends into heaven while his disciples look on and say goodbye to the one that they love. So today, we're going to focus on the ascension of Christ and what it means for us as followers of Jesus. And we're going to look at two separate scripture passages this morning that describe Jesus' ascension as told by the author Luke. So the first is found at the end of Luke, and the second is found in the beginning of Acts. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, and also Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. So let's read our first one now. I'm reading from the ESV translations for both. Luke 24. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Moving on to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this morning, I'll share with you three things that the ascension of Jesus means for us as followers of Jesus and for the mission of the church at large. So Jesus' ascension, this happens at the end of his ministry on earth. And last week on Easter Sunday, we heard that Christ rose from the dead in resurrection power, in bodily form, in human form, and by doing that, he conquered death, fulfilling his earthly work. Now, the mission was completed, and so Jesus says his goodbye to the disciples, and the disciples say goodbye to Jesus. And all that was left for, to do for Jesus was essentially go home to be with his father. 
Now, Jesus' ascension, this is what it reveals. It reveals where he is today, basically seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, before moving on so that we can all get on the same page together, I want to let you know this. Now that Christ in bodily form has ascended into heaven, he's no longer here present on earth. But the body of Christ now still remains because we are the body of Christ as followers of Jesus, we are his literal, physical representation to the world. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, he says it this way, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. So that means you are in the body of Christ and are a part of it. So Jesus, he loves and he cares deeply for his church because it's his body. And he will continue to faithfully build his church and his body to see it grow. And the ascension of Christ for us has so many important implications. And I would like to teach those to you now. So these are the three things. The first point this morning about Jesus' ministry to us is this. Jesus fights for us. Jesus fights for us. But how? How does Jesus fight for us? And it's by interceding for us. Now, wouldn't you agree right now, more than ever, in this difficult season that we're in, there is so much to worry about, and there's so much uh, surrounding us. There's a lot of anxiety and panic, and right now, more than ever, we need comfort. We need comfort. So where and who and what are you turning to to find your comfort. You know, it's natural for us to want to turn to the momentary, the fleeting, the things that don't last, to turn to those earthly and worldly things to, to comfort us, essentially to, to numb us in our bodies, minds, and souls. But those things won't, they can't, and they won't ever be able to truly satisfy our souls. Our true comfort should come from knowing that Jesus is now in heaven. He's, he, he's waiting for us He's praying for us, and the great thing is, is that he has experienced what it's like to be human. So he knows our pain because he's lived it. As he prays, I'm sure of this. I'm sure that he remembers the tears that he shed here while on earth, the pains that he experienced, the, the things that he endured as he walked amongst us. And Jesus prays for us. And more than that, the Bible says he actually intercedes on our behalf. And what does intercede mean? It's essentially meaning that he, Jesus, he's intervening for you on your behalf through prayer. And as he stands in that gap between us and God, he is appealing to the Father on our behalf. You know, the author of Hebrews says it this way. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And in the Old Testament, what was happening is that the high priests were the only ones that were able to access, access the presence of God. And it was their role, it was their job to make intercession on behalf of the people for their collective sins. And the writer of Hebrew continues on as, as he says this, he will always live to make intercession for them. 
and he is referring to Jesus, and them is you and I. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had someone text you to tell you that they're praying for you? You know, it's a great feeling to know that you're being considered, that they're remembering you, that they love you and care for you, and you know that someone is thinking of you, and they care enough to pray for you. So it's, it's my belief, and obviously, God hears those prayers. He honors those prayers of your loved ones. But how much greater is it to know that you have Jesus at the right hand of the Father making constant and continuous intercession on your behalf? Friend, let your soul take comfort in that. Let your soul find rest in that. So Jesus' ascension means that he's fighting for us through intercession. Okay, so point two, Jesus also empowers us. Jesus empowers us. Now, Jesus' ascension also means that he is sending us with empowerment by the Spirit living within us. And in the upper room, which you may have heard about, the upper room is essentially a room above a home, and Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your benefit that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, the helper he's referring to is the Holy Spirit here. And we can't live for Jesus without God's empowerment by and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows exactly what we need to live a full and faithful life in this world for him. And what we needed, he provided. But here's a question. Why did Jesus have to go in order for the Father to actually send the Spirit to us? And the answer is, is because he wanted to be nearer to us. God wanted Jesus to be near to us. And when Jesus lived on earth, he could only be in one place at one time, depriving every other place of his presence. And so Jesus was obviously in human form. He was wrapped in flesh, God in the flesh. So he was limited by space and time. But now because of the ascension, all those restrictions have been stripped away. They've been removed. And now he is ever present with you and I. Now Jesus is with all of us and he's all over the world all of the time. So even this morning in our homes, as we're gathering around our screens, our TVs, our devices, maybe even in our pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee, even though we might be separated in different homes, he, the Spirit, is with you. The Bible says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit resides in us, imparting power to us. And we might not be aware all the time of his presence in our lives, but we are always, friends, at all times, fully empowered by the Spirit. You know, oftentimes, or not often, every time I get in my vehicle, I'm always looking at the gas gauge. You know, I find myself looking down at the gas gauge, checking to make sure my fuel levels are good, to make sure that I can get to where we are going. And as followers of Jesus, we never need to worry if we have what it takes to get where we're going or to do what God is calling us to do because the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't run out like fuel for a car. No, Jesus supplied us with a full and continuous empowerment through his spirit. And Jesus also empowers us by supplying power to his church. 
And now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, this is what it means. That all power and all authority and all rule and reign is now his. It's Jesus's. The authority and power is his. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do. What an encouraging thought, right? But also sobering. How is it possible that we, his people, us, just these mere humans, can do greater work than Jesus? I'll tell you how. Because just after this verse, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to us. We're going to accomplish our kingdom work that he's entrusted us with through the power and by the Holy Spirit. So just a few days after Jesus says that, the disciples actually experienced it as they waited in that upper room that we talked about for the promised Holy Spirit to come upon them. And the Spirit, the Bible says, came over them through the windows and in that room and filled it like a rushing wind with fire and they spoke in different tongues. The disciples were filled at that point and in that moment with power. And that same power is still available to the church today, for you and I as followers of Jesus. So Jesus empowers us with his spirit to faithfully live our lives for him, which brings us to our third and final point. The reason why he empowers us is to send us. Point three is Jesus sends us. In the verse just before the ascension happens in verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. Jesus commissions his disciples to go and make disciples, and he gives them a mission. And the mission isn't our mission. It's not a conjured up human idea mission. This wasn't just a plan written on a blueprint. No, this is a God idea. And the last reason Christ ascended is so that we could be fully empowered to partner with God to go live on mission and make disciples. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. What Jesus is saying here to them is he wants them to tell others the good news about him. And by others, I mean this. I mean to all countries, to all nations, to all different ethnicities, societies, cultures, and subcultures, to people of every political party, to the young, to the old, to all demographics, to all socioeconomic statuses, to all kings and presidents, to the enslaved and the free, to every single soul and image-bearing person of God, because God loves all people. He wants to see all turn to him in repentance and to know the hope that is only and truly ever found in Jesus. So we're given this job of sharing God's good and faithful work. He doesn't just make a request. He isn't just kind of asking you like, hey, will you take a few days and go make disciples? No, he commands us lovingly to go and make disciples. He commands us to share the gospel with others. And he wants us individually, as the people of God, to reflect 
in our hearts on what he has done, right? But also to spread that message of hope to others. The gospel message has the power to save. And the good news is that we're not doing this in our own power, strength, or might. No, it's not by our ability, but by and only by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Our God is a sending God. You know, he sent Jesus to us. But in order for that spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be sent to us, Jesus had to return to his Father in heaven as he ascends to heaven as we saw. At the end of the scripture from Luke, we find the disciples gathered at a place called the Mount of Olives with Jesus. They're looking to Jesus and and hearing his instruction. And they're witnessing their leader and Lord, who they had spent many years with and shared many amazing and hard moments with, was now actually leaving them so that they could continue the work of proclaiming the good news to the whole world. And if I may venture a guess to say this, because the Bible doesn't say this, they didn't say goodbye to Jesus. If not for a verbal goodbye, I'm sure that the disciples at this point were silently saying goodbye to Jesus in their hearts as he ascended. And as I said at the beginning of this message, saying goodbye is, is really hard. And the Bible gives us a glimpse of the condition of the hearts of, of Jesus' disciples at this point. And after Jesus ascended, this is what the Bible says that they did. It says that they worshipped him first. And that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually, the Bible says, blessing God. Friends, if I can just be transparent here for a second with you. I know that it's been a very long time since we've seen each other face to face. And it hurts and it saddens probably most of us. And I know that I can speak for us when I say this, that we all deeply miss each other at this point. But, friends, with God's grace... And with his peace, we are going to get through this time. God is going to provide all that we need during this season. And once we gather together again, which I can't wait for, it's just going to be that much sweeter when we're here in this sanctuary together again. So in the meantime, I'd like to encourage you to do as the disciples did when they said their goodbye to Jesus. Use this time, I implore you, to worship God in all ways that you do and in every area of your life with great joy. Worship in all of your ways while acknowledging him and steward your time well, friends. Care for one another. Care for your friends, your families, and your neighbors. Check in with one another. Acknowledge the blessings that he has provided during this time. I know for some of you, you probably considered this season more of a curse than you do a blessing because you've been spending so much time with those people around you, with your family members. But uh, please allow God to strengthen your relationships during this time. They're important, and God is using that, and they're a gift. You know, he has great plans for us. He really does. So I want to leave you with this. What the enemy means for evil, God is going to use for his good and for our good. So worship God with great joy and bless his name continually.